Welcome to the podcast of the Sunday morning worship service of the Heartland Church of the Nazarene. We're a community of faith learning to love God and our neighbors as ourselves. Welcome home. Today's sermon text is from James 4, 1 through 17. The passage will be on the screen for you, or if you like, please turn to James in your Bible. These conflicts and disputes among you, where do they come from? Do they not come from your cravings that are at war within you? You want something and do not have it, so you commit murder. And you covet something and cannot obtain it, so you engage in disputes and conflicts. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly in order to spend what you get on your pleasures. Adulterers, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God. Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or you, do you suppose that it is for nothing that the scripture says, God yearns jealously for the spirit that he has made to dwell in us, but he gives all the more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy into dejection. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers and sisters. Whoever speaks evil against another or judges another speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver and judge who is able to save and to destroy. So who then are you to judge your neighbor? Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a town and spend a year there doing business and making money. Yet you do not even know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wishes, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Anyone, then, who knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, commits sin. We've been preaching, uh, looking at the letter that James wrote, the book of James. And uh, there's lots of little themes that kind of run through there. But one of the things we've picked out is that um, everything that James is writing, whenever he's talking about, like, your, your words that you say or wisdom or things like that, all of that is aimed at helping his friends uh, understand how to live in authentic uh, Christian community. So he is concerned that the people to whom he is writing, uh, that they are living together in a way that is honoring to God, uh, and that will help them grow as, as individuals and, and as a faithful witness to the good news of Jesus Christ. Uh, we've, we've talked a little bit about wisdom and we said that, you know, we can't say that our trials and temptations come from God, um, that God isn't tempting us, but uh, they come from inside. And James is going to touch on that a little bit again today. Uh, James wants us to have wisdom to understand where our trials and temptations come from and also where, where the power and the strength comes that we might, we might uh, resist and overcome those kinds of things. Uh, there, there's wisdom in knowing that... Uh, Overcoming those kinds of things comes not from our own strength, uh, but from the strength of God's Holy Spirit. 
Uh, last week, we, we looked at probably the most famous passage that's in James's book, Taming the Tongue. And, and he's real concerned with, with how his friends are talking in the midst of their own uh, little group. Uh, it, it's not just for that, too, because I think the way we talk outside of our church has ramifications for our church. And, and how we talk inside determines sometimes whether we are able to be faithful to what God is calling us to do. Um, and he says your tongue, and he uses kind of three metaphors, it's, it's like a, a bit that you might put in a horse's mouth and uh, a, a rudder on a, a large ship. It's a tiny thing that can steer the whole course of your life. Uh, we said it can do that individually, and it can do that for churches. And that if we speak poorly with, with one another, that we can make this whole ship that is the church turn in a direction that God would not want it to go. He also said that it's a, uh, a spark that sets a, a forest on fire, that one little tiny spark can make everything just burn down to the ground. Uh, again, that it makes sense for us as individuals and for us as a community of faith. And then James says that it is a deadly poison. And we told the story about the time I got E. coli. And just one little tiny germ, one little tiny bacteria can multiply and become something that just shuts down your entire life. Uh, that can make the healthiest body sick and unable to do its normal functions. Well, um, James goes on, and, and we, we read the whole book, or the whole chapter, and uh, we're not going to get to the second half of it, but I thought it was important to read the whole thing, and we've been doing that uh, each week. We'll have one more week next week. We'll look at James chapter 5. James starts chapter 4 with, with this question. Those conflicts and disputes among you, where do they come from? Um, he's clearly speaking to his friends still, right? And, and I think one of the things we said at the very beginning is that the community that James is writing to, and we don't really know much about them because he doesn't open his letter like Paul does, uh, but serious things are, are happening here. There are conflicts and there are disputes, and, and some of the things that we looked at made us understand that like, there are people who are well, giving preferential treatment to maybe the richer folks who are in their midst at, at the expense of those who uh, have a little less from, uh, to, to deal with. And so his aim is to help, again, his friends understand, understand where all these things are coming from. These conflicts and disputes among you, where do they come from? So there's conflict and there's disputes, uh, and they're, 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 they're causing a hard time in the community where James is writing to. He answers his own questions and says this, do they not come from your cravings that are at war within you? Again, like we said earlier, the root of the problem, the root of the problem is not, well, sometimes it's someone else. More often than not, the root of the problem between disputes and conflicts is that there is something at war in within you that is, well, uh, James will talk about it and, uh, uh, what well, we'll say this, is it's a war that kind of rages between you and your desires, uh, the things that you want. And uh, all of those things, like your tongue, can bring the healthiest body down, uh, can burn a forest down. It can steer the whole, the whole boat in the direction uh, that it shouldn't go. Uh, so they're, they're, uh, he's asked, he's like, you're the problem. I, now, I've dealt with people, and I, ha I, had this, I had this one person one time when I was a, a youth pastor, and, and they, uh, they were always having problems. Like, 
with people relationally. And uh, they kept wanting to know why, and, but they kept blaming everybody else for their problems. And at one point, I said to them, like, if someone else is always the problem, it's probably you. I mean, that didn't go over well, but, uh, but that's kind of what he's going at. He's like, all of these conflicts, they, they're not coming from the outside necessarily. They're coming from your cravings that are at war within you. Uh, he goes on, and I promise we'll, we'll not read the whole thing all the way through. He says, you want something and you do not have it, so you commit murder. And you covet something and cannot obtain it, so you engage in disputes and conflicts. You do not have because you do not ask. Now, um, I, I wonder if, if there's actually like murder happening in this particular uh, uh, congregation or the, the community to which James is writing. I don't know. Uh, the, uh, the jury's out from different people would say yes. Maybe there's, there's some of that going on. Maybe it's not. But, but the, the, the truth is the same. Like, you don't have to necessarily, like, kill somebody to do some significant damage to their life. Uh, you don't have to kill somebody to deal death to them in, a very, in very significant ways. And I, I think you and I probably have, have all experienced those kinds of things. Um, but he's saying... You have these disordered desires. You have these cravings and things that, that, that are, that maybe they're God-given, maybe they're good. Maybe they're good things that you want, but you've kind of, you've let them get the best of you and, and they are at war for your very soul. Uh, they would direct your life only to uh, a goal that, that, that's wanting to, you know, uh, appease that, that appetite, to make it feel like you're full, that you've, You've gotten the thing, and now everything is right and good. Um, I think at the very least, James is understanding that these unchecked desires and uh, things like that, that they are at the root of what's causing the division and bitterness within this particular church. Now, I think, I think you've seen this. Those of you who are parents or have done, dealt with little kids, understand this, right? So let's imagine a scenario that's not all that hypothetical because it happens every day in every household where little kids are. Um, that you have a toy. You have one toy. And one child wants that toy. And the other child wants that toy as well. And so the one child takes the toy and goes and plays with it. And the second child is angry because they want that toy too. It is the object of their desire and it is blown out of proportion. And so the second child runs up and Boom! Hits the other child. Does that happen in your house? No, all the time? We got no from Jesse, yes from Laura. Okay. As, as fellow boy parents, we feel your pain. Murder is committed, yes. A metaphorical murder, yeah. And, and so, you know, there's, there's violence that happens, conf- confutes, uh, confutes, conflicts and disputes. Uh, and so a parent, parent comes along and says, tries, you know, tries to help teach sharing you know, and takes the toy from one and says, okay, you get it for five minutes, and then at the end of the five minutes, we're going to give it to you. Well, how does that usually work? I mean, like, it, the, the result is the same because child A over here is playing, and child two over here is, uh, you know, he's the, he doesn't think that he should have it this long, and so he goes. Conflicts and disputes. Um, now, that's, that's a silly, maybe, a silly example. Um, but I think you understand it at, at, a, at a deep level, more than just kind of looking at your kids being selfish. 
I think deep down inside you understand this feeling because you have these, it may not be for a toy, you're not going to go up and hit somebody for it, hopefully. Uh, but that you have these desires that, that are deep down inside and for some reason they've, they've just grown big and they are at war within you and they want you to do anything you can to fulfill that desire. I, I love food. I love salty, crunchy things. I love sweet, crunchy breakfast cereals. I love ice cream. I love tacos and tortilla chips, chips and dip. I could eat chips and dip every day. <laughs> and that's what I get amens for, people, yeah. Bring on the queso. If I'm not careful, my desire for all of those things will lead me to fulfill that desire by just shoving food in my mouth. And like, I mean, it's not good for me, right? Uh, I, I have this desire to, to eat, but I also has a, have a desire to like not die at 50 from a heart attack, uh, which, you know, is kind of possible. Uh, it wages war in, in front of me. We do this with, you know, I don't know, sleep. I really like sleep too, but I, I got to get up and go to work or exercise so I don't die at 50 of a heart attack. Or we do this with relationships or entertainment. We do it with, with money. We do it with comfort. We do it with, I don't know, pick your poison. You, you, you've got something inside, I know. And it, it, it wars, it wars at us. Now, now, here's the thing, I think. Uh, the food example, the kid examples, it might be silly. But desires, unchecked, disordered desires that, that we let get control of us, I think will almost always lead to conflicts and disputes. Because the more you give in to those disordered desires, the more you're going to, well, there's always somebody in the way of you fulfilling that desire. There's going to always be someone who, who challenges your, your selfishness. It's child A who has the toy. I think it always, and if it doesn't, if it's something silly like food, I, I don't know, the more you give in to your desires, those overblown, now food is a good thing, we need it to survive, right? But it's, it gets out of hand. I think the more we give into those, we give in, it's easier to give in to other things. And I'm not a big fan of like the slippery slope argument, but it's a slippery slope. The more you give in, the easier it's to give in. And, and the more you want it, the more you're going to do whatever it takes to get it. And the more damage you cause, relationships between whoever. You want something and you do not have it, so you commit murder. And you covet something and cannot obtain it so you engage in disputes and conflicts. I think we feel that deep in our bones. He goes on and he says, you do not have because you do not ask. Uh, adulterers, do you not know that friendship with, I might have gone too far there. Okay, yeah, I did, sorry. It's like, you do not have because you do not ask. You do not, you ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly in order to spend what you get on your platform your pleasures. Now, James has already said earlier in the book that all good and, and gracious gifts come from God the Father. Like, 
kind of confess that this morning in our prayer. Uh, but, but I wonder if, the, if this part like, kind of brings into check maybe our understanding of what prayer is. Like, God is not a cosmic Santa Claus that's just ready to give out your, you know, things to fulfill your, your desires. Sometimes that's, yeah, we, sometimes we pray that way. And I don't know that we pray that way when we want someone to be healed or, or to be safe or to come to know Jesus. But James is saying, you, you ask and you don't receive because you ask wrongly. Because God knows your heart and God knows what's in there. And he knows that you're going to take whatever the good gift it is that God has given you and you're going to spend it on yourself. And if we know anything about God, if we know anything about Jesus who tells us who God is in its most fully way, uh, that Jesus isn't selfish, uh, that selfishness and uh, fulfilling our appetites and our pleasures is not a fruit of the Spirit. And so God doesn't give us what we want sometimes because it's not good for us. Maybe God is the parent who comes and takes the toy away and sends each kid to their room until they've got the love of Jesus in their heart or something. He goes on, he says, Adulterers, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, uh, therefore whoever wishes to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Uh, I think, um, I think he's, he's putting his, his finger on something. Uh, that his friends, who he's talking to, that they're, they're deeply divided within this, in themselves, right? Like they've got these desires and things that are fighting against each other. And, and they want their cake and they want to eat it too. They, they want all of their desires, but at the same time, they want to follow Jesus. And, and they just, they want to be friends with the world and friends with God at the same time. I, uh, I came across this quote, and it's kind of long. There's a poem in it. I don't know. It's good, I think. And I'm going to read it to you because I think it puts, well, I think it just makes the point better than I could. Um, our desire for God is half-hearted and double-minded because of our our selfishness and our desires. Our pursuit of true religion is mirrored in the words of the poem by Wilbur Rees. Uh, that's too small for me to read there. Okay, here we go. I would like to buy $3 worth of God, please. Not enough to explode my soul or to disturb my sleep, but just enough to equal a cup of warm milk or a snooze in the sunshine. I don't want enough of him to make me love a black man or pick beets with a migrant. I want ecstasy, not transformation. I want the warmth of the womb, but not a new birth. I want a pound of the eternal in a paper sack. I would like to buy $3 worth of God, please. And he goes on, he says, in our consumeristic world where everyone is looking for a bargain, a real steal, some have the misguided notion that God is selling himself cheap. The idea that possessing God can be accomplished like possessing any number of other trinkets of the good life is exacting a terrible toll inside and outside of the church. 
That's the problem of this kind of religion where James now turns his attention. You can't be a friend of God and a friend of the world at the same time. You can't be solely concerned with fulfilling your desires and your pleasures and really truly call yourself a follower of Christ. I think, I think this is the struggle we all have. I, that, that deep down inside, we know that God is good for us. We know that, that we have been created to be in this relationship with the one who spoke us into existence, who put us together in our mom's wombs. And we know in the, in the back of our mind, we know that like the Jesus way is good and right, and that is the way she, we should go. But then we look over here and there are tacos. Right? And tacos are delicious and they make me happy. But maybe I eat too much of them. And, and maybe all I'm fixated on is making enough money and getting tacos. I know, it's a silly example, but James is saying, like, if we go this way, like God's going to take care of us. He's going to reorder our desires so that we pray, not my will be done, right? but thy will be done, thy kingdom come in heaven and earth as it is in heaven. Now, uh, now that you feel that, hopefully, uh, it's not all doom and gloom, and James moves on. Uh, here's the answer to the problem. But he gives all the more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. The solution to this, and it, it doesn't seem, like when I say the word submission out loud, it doesn't carry with it a good connotation in most places. Like, unless you're in, like, the UFC fighting ring. But, I think this is, this is what it takes for us to truly decide that we are going to be friends with God, that we are going to, to walk fully in the Jesus way, that, that we're going to do that for ourselves and for our church. It, it means that we submit, we submit to God. Uh, that we come to God not in, in arrogance, not in saying, I know what it is that I should do. You're just, you know, kind of there to confirm my biases but that, but that we come to Christ each day and we say not my will be done but yours we say not, not my desires that need to be filled but your desires for the world uh, not my cravings that are going to cause disputes and conflicts uh, in my family and in my church and in my school and my work but your desire for love and joy, for peace, for forgiveness, for thanksgiving, for the transformation of the world from what it is, is broken and hurting into something that is good and right and whole.
when we submit to God, we can resist the evil that's in the world. We can have victory over the desires that war inside us. We can be pure and right and close to God in a way that transcends temporary emotionalism and experience. When we humbly submit ourselves to God, we are giving up on the world. And in exchange, we get the universe, eternal life, beginning here and now. What we think we need so desperately over here is small in comparison to what God is giving us when we humbly submit ourselves to him. It's counterintuitive. It's a different kind of way. It's the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of man. We have a word for this in the Wesleyan tradition. In the Church of Nazarene. We call it sanctification. I don't care if you know that word or not. Uh, but what it is, is you, everything I've just said is submitting to God for your, for your own transformation. I think, I've come to realize recently that we only ever talk about that belief, that doctrine, if you will, in individual terms. We talk about God doing and the power of the Holy Spirit work in your life, submitting, you submitting to the power of the Holy Spirit and, and God cleansing you and helping you overcome those desires and cravings. We never ever talk about it in like a group setting. Here's what I'm convinced. I'm convinced that like as a church, as much as we need to be individually sanctified, to have the spirit work within us. Uh, that our church needs that too. Uh, that that my, my growth, my conquering these disordered desires, my ability to submit to Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit, well, it is intimately related to your ability to do those things too. That, we, that, we're, that we're in this thing, this battle, this war against what we want for ourselves versus what God's kingdom wants, that we're in it together. It may be that if we don't have, it's because we don't ask and we don't ask rightly because we want to spend it on our own pleasures as a church. I don't know what that looks like. But what I do know, this is what God is calling us to. Uh, that, that in my own individual life, I submit to the power of the Spirit and ask God to help me. And that you do the same. And then that we, we submit to one another uh, to, to open ourselves up to have, have you say, hey, I don't, I don't think that you're walking in the way that you should. You're letting your desires get the best of you. I think, I think it means a couple of things for us as, as a church. I think this works for us as individuals too, but 
I think it means that when we approach a couple of things, when we approach scripture, we do so with an open heart that is ready to receive what God has to say to us. I think it means for us as a church that we don't go to the Bible looking for verses to reinforce our own point of view. There's a t-shirt out there that my family wants to get me that says, I can do all things through a verse taken out of context. I will preach in it. And so often, though, with these first two things, we, we go to the Bible and we say, we want the Bible to, to confirm all the things we say. I think it means that when we pray, we pray that God's will must be done on earth as it is in heaven, and we stop and wait to see how we might be the answer to that particular prayer or to the prayers of others that we don't just say, hey, I'm praying for you, but how, how can I be a part of God's work? And we do some really good stuff with that, by the way, with the prayer chain. We, yeah. I think that it means that as we plan and dream about the future together, we don't come up with a plan and ask God to bless it. But that we ask God to help us discern together the way in which we should go. I think all of those things are, are for us as people, as individuals, and I think they're for us as a church. Because at the end of the day, I'm with James, and I want us to live together in the wisdom and in the, the grace of an authentic Christian community so that we can, we can be for the world what we are supposed to be, a sign that points to Jesus a witness that testifies to all of the good things that God has done, past and present, and, and the hope of the good things that we have for God going forward, and that we can be kind of a, a foretaste. Uh, that, that when people encounter us in, in our community of faith, that they say, ah, this is, this is good. This is, this is better than fulfilling my own desires at once. That's my prayer for us. That's what I think James is calling us to. Uh, we're going to pray, and then we'll, we'll sing a song like we always do. And so I, as we sing and pray, I want you to, to concentrate on uh, identifying those desires and wants that maybe have become a little bit overblown to which you have given yourself and that are causing disputes and conflicts in relationships with yourself, with your family, with your work. And as you identify those things, I want you to pray and confess them and humbly submit yourself to God. And you might invite the Spirit to work in you to help you win a battle that you have so far been losing terribly. Or maybe just a little. I want you to pray that that might be the case for you as a person, but that might be the case for the people who you're sitting next to, that you've sung together with this morning, and that might be a case for us as the people who call ourselves Heartland Church. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we want, our desire is that we might live in an authentic community with each other, so that we might be what you have called our church to be, 
uh, people who point the way to Christ, who live in the Jesus kind of way. Lord, we confess that uh, we haven't always done that, that it's hard, it takes courage, and sometimes we're short on that. We're scared or we're just, we just really like the things that we like and we want to keep liking them and we don't see how much they control us. So Lord, I ask that your spirit might work in each of us and our friends who aren't here today either. That it might root out and make us aware of those desires that have gotten so out of whack that they control our lives and that we might that we might know that there is a possibility of overcoming those things for, for the sake of our own lives, but for the sake of our church and our families too. So Lord, we humbly come and submit to you, knowing that your grace is great and it is strong and it will help us to be the people that you have been and are calling us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our Sunday morning worship service. For more information about the Heartland Church of the Nazarene, please visit heartlandnaz.org.